every musician who's in a band trying to make it is delusional. I am delusional. Brian's delusional. We've everyone. Uh, a select few manage to have their delusions actually be reality, which is rare. But we all think we've got what it takes, and we all think we're going to make it. We wouldn't be doing it if we didn't. So it is nice to feel like the delusions are not all in my head. They're kind of They're things. Manifesting. Yeah, things are looking up. There's still a lot of work to be done before it you know, turns into a legitimate career, but I think we're well on our way. Welcome to the Juxtaposed Journeys Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Spitz. And in this episode, I talk with vocalist Brian Butcher and drummer Daniel Matson from The Home Team. The Home Team is a four-piece band based in Seattle, Washington, who are currently signed to Revival Recordings. While their 2018 album Better Off can be categorized as traditional pop punk, the group released Slow Bloom back in October that drew from a wide variety of influences to create a unique sound that's hard to cleanly place within a genre. Beginning this Thursday, February 10th through Sunday, March 6th, the home team will be on the road with This Wildlife and Broadside for the Ever Blossom Tour. Shortly after, the band will be on tour with Point North, Little Lotus, and Concrete Castles. Our conversation ranges from how the group started making music together, to influences, interesting stories on the road, and ultimately how Slow Bloom became such a unique and monumental release for the band. Brian and Daniel were a blast to talk to, so make sure to check out their links in the show notes to listen to their music, stay updated on everything they're up to, and maybe catch them at one of their upcoming shows. With all that in mind, just sit back, relax, and get ready for Brian Butcher and Daniel Matson's journey with the home team. All right, right on. So welcome to the Juxtapose Journeys podcast. And first of all, thank you both so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to sit down and chat with me. Totally, no problem. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, of course. So we are here to talk about all the awesome music you guys create with the home team. So to start things off, can you provide the listeners a, with a little background into how you both met and when you decided to start making music together? Yeah. yeah. Totally. So we met, what, 2015? Yeah, the home team was already a band when I joined. Um, mm-hmm. Brian was actually the first person to ever buy our first EP. That was a nice. fan. That was yeah. a fan, bro. <laughs> True I fan. gave a fan the chance of a lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> No, but John and Dan, John is our guitarist. John and Dan started the band in like, what, 2013? Yeah, 2013. We started writing some demos. We used to be in a band together, John and I, in like 2009, 2010. And we started writing some demos and then our band, our separate metal bands started like kind of touring more and taking up more of our time. So we focused on those. And then in 2013, both of our metal bands kind of faded out. And so we like put all of our energy into the home team put out an ep in 2013 uh with another singer and then uh when he was no longer in the band we uh got brian so like 2015 we put out our first couple songs with brian um and that's where it all started pretty much nice yeah and and definitely doing my my research on you guys i found it really interesting that you're all kind of stem from the seattle metal scene which I feel like listening to your latest stuff, you wouldn't totally pick up on like the heavier backgrounds, but you can, you can kind of hear them like in the subtle moments for sure. And I think that's super interesting. 
Yeah, there's some stuff like uh, on the last track on our new album, Danger. Uh, it's clearly, like we wrote that song for us. We did, we did <laughs> not think people were going to like it as much as they do. And they um, did. There's there's a like a blast beat in there. There's double kick all over the place. We got a, plenty of eight string guitar. I yeah. mean, that's all over the album though. Yeah, the whole the whole record has eight string guitar over it, which is usually it. People who are familiar with heavy music can sometimes pick it out, but most of the time when it's someone who's like not super familiar with downtuned guitar music, they, they don't really know what it is that sounds that way, but it's something they've never heard before, so we get that a lot, which is, which is cool. That's what we're, that's what we're trying to do. <laughs> what we were going for, yeah. <laughs> for sure. No, you definitely have a very unique sound with it, and speaking of which, so fast forward six-ish, six-ish years since... Brian joined the band. You just released your latest album, Slow Bloom, back in October. So, how's the response been to getting to play these new tracks live? Live, it's been I'm, well. First of all, I'm fucking sick of playing our old material, so I'm, I was I was thrilled. <laughs> um, the response has been insane. It's yeah, it's been awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I remember when we were going out and Dan Dan made a couple jokes throughout the process of uh, of recording where he was like, I don't think you'll ever have to sing the oh baby and right through me <laughs> ever again or ever like ever yeah to begin with because i had never sang it because the crowd was going to be singing it back to me and i was like shut the fuck up you are so full of shit and he was totally right <laughs> uh pretty much every night of that tour the crowd i i was like you know sing it with me and i i just put the mic out into the crowd and they were loud as fuck which was so weird for us because before covid the, our tours were not like that. That is not what we are used to. We are used to playing to empty rooms and grinding. The, la- <laughs> the last tour we did in 2019, I think we averaged about 40 people a night. And that's including like our hometown show, which we draw more in Seattle than anywhere else. On this last West Coast tour that we did in 2021, we averaged like 150 a night. Nice. And that was like including pl- a couple C market shows that that had smaller turnouts than anywhere else it took the average down quite yeah a bit. and uh an overflow show because our our seattle headliner sold out so we had like a second show afterwards so the the crowds were crazy compared to uh, what we'd been used to yeah no that's awesome that that you got such a good response from it too and <laughs> yeah to your point uh, right when i first heard right through me that oh baby part like i just I knew that was going to be such a strong moment in a live setting. Yeah, exactly. We, when we were uh, recording that part, I could just like, I could visualize it in my head that live is just going to be lots of people screaming it back at Brian. And that's what happened. That's exactly what happened. (laughs) Just to give a little context into what we're talking about, I provided a sample of the intro from right through me. As Brian sings, Oh Baby, you can't tell me that a crowd wouldn't lose their mind as they sing along. Give it a listen. So could you think about it rationally Just for me I'll let you sleep on it and call me in the morning Oh baby Now, is there a specific track, I guess, in addition to Right Through Me or just something like that that you really enjoy playing live in particular? Well... Yes, but unfortunately we probably won't continue to play it live. There's a song called <laughs> On that we played on the Slowbum tour because it's like it's kind of a band favorite. Like we didn't put it as a single because it's pretty weird compared to the, everything else we've made, but we were really proud of that song because like musically it's 
it is complicated without sounding complicated, which is honestly mm-hmm. like that's most pop music today. There's usually so much in so many interest intricacies going on in the background of of what goes into songwriting uh, at that level. Mm-hmm. But most people just don't hear it because they're not musicians and they don't they don't pick up on that stuff. And the point of pop music is to like guide your ear in a way that's both familiar and fresh. So on, in our opinion, was musically kind of like our favorite song as far as like what we were proud of. And that is not how the populace received it. That is one of the least streaming songs in the album. And we are very bummed about it. Um, <laughs> they, we, we ended up switching it out for a different song that we will be playing on this next tour that has done much better. And we actually just filmed a music video for it. Oh, right on. You probably can't reveal what that is yet, can you? <laughs> uh, it's eat you up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now that I, th- I think about it, I think I saw in your stories like some different work on music video and stuff. I imagine that's what it was then? Yeah. Yeah. It was, if it was like a week ago, then yes. Yeah, that makes uh okay. That that makes the visuals and aesthetics of it make that much more sense now. I'm just making that connection. So, <laughs> I'm stoked to see that music video come out now. <laughs> uh, it better be our best one because it was the most expensive. That's for damn sure. It was supposed to be the cheapest. It was supposed to be the cheapest, and it turned into the most expensive. That's how, that's how it goes. That's how it goes, I guess. I was listening to your mini cast episodes because I'm, I became a patron of you guys and been going through those and actually without even realizing i think i went through pretty much all of them (laughs) that's awesome i'm pretty hooked on them now i remember you mentioning i believe in one of those mini cast episodes brian where you you, you, did you hand off the editing duties to someone else for your music video then i imagine i did so these last two watching my friends get rich and eat you up are were both filmed and i guess being edited by a guy named mark walters and we met mark Mm -hmm. Because he was the touring videographer for the band Issues back in 2019 on their headlining tour. And we opened the Seattle show of that. And Mark hit us up and said, hey, I'm trying to, you know, get some more work on this tour. Like, do you guys need any video work done? We looked at what he had and we were like, holy shit, he's really good. So we not only were we stoked to say yes, but in the process, he was so fucking professional. Like, he showed up the uh, at the uh, day of the show and he was like hey so i was wondering what song of your guys to use like i really like fashion forward and i think i could make a really good video for that and we were just like you listened to our music before this <laughs> <laughs> and he was just like all in all like it, it wasn't the cheapest thing we'd ever done but it, he was so professional and just did such a good job and the video turned out so good that later down the road when he hit us up and said hey i'd really like to work with you guys it was kind of a no-brainer and i've, I've been doing all the music videos myself but he is, I, I have no ego in saying that he is definitely better than I am because he's been doing it a lot longer. And he's done like multiple times the number of videos that I've done. And so he also has a really great creative vision. It's like honestly kind of cheeky, but it not, in, not in like a dumb way. So anyways, we really wanted his vision on this, on these videos. And not to mention like, I am so fucking busy in general with the rest of the home team shit that I don't, I just don't have time to do our own videos anymore. Yeah, Brian did like all the editing for what the first four. Yeah, the, uh, I obviously couldn't film them because I was in the shot. We would we would hire camera guys, but but yeah, I directed, planned, edited all those four. But that um, was before there was any sort of tour planning, and the album wasn't out. So exactly. Like... So I had tons of time. I was unemployed, so I was just like, fuck it. I'm just gonna make a bunch of music videos. 
Right. Still unemployed. But <laughs> <laughs> employed by the band, baby. But I'm no I'm, no payment. I but. am actually going to be launching a website pretty soon to start doing more creative work for other people as well. Oh, nice. But anyways, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be an entrepreneur. I'm I'm I don't know how to feel about it, but here I am. <laughs> Hustle and grind, NFT bro. <laughs> No, it's, I mean, hey, good time to do it. I mean, there are so many just creative outlets that came out, I mean, during the pandemic and even the still lingering effects of pretty much a pandemic. Right. So much has come out of the woodwork in that way, too. I mean, this this podcast is a result of the pandemic, if that tells you anything. So. Sure. There you go. <laughs> but no, that's that's super exciting stuff. Is there a certain venue you guys always enjoy playing? Ooh, like across the country? Yeah, just in general. Well, there are a couple places that we've played once. And we are excited to play again. <laughs> uh, Gramercy Theater is probably one of them in New York. That is a fucking sick venue. And we played it to a sold-out Don Broco headliner. That was nice. so sick. This one probably won't be sold out, but it's still going to be packed. And that one's awesome. Do you know if we're playing Loving Touch in Detroit? We're not, we're not playing there. We're playing The Sanctuary, which is the same place that the shooting happened. Don't worry. Brian and Daniel talk about this more in depth later on in our conversation. Stick around until the end of the episode to hear all about it. Oh, we're playing the sanctuary. Is it a different room or is it the same room? I think there's only one room there. <laughs> oh, no, no, there's the, a bigger room. There was a bigger one. We're probably playing the smaller one. Uh, that place was not huge. Uh, the Columbus venue is 200 cap. Oh, true. All right. Uh, so that's fine. Yeah, I think the Gramercy Theater, that's like the big one. I think because it's in Manhattan, it's like a historic venue that we really have no, like we have no business playing at this venue, <laughs> but we're opening up for bands that do play venues like that. So <laughs> like, it, I, I think it's really funny. There's like, there's going to be a small group of maybe 10 to 20 people that have only seen us play twice and both times we're at the Gramercy Theater, and they think we are so much fucking sicker than we are. <laughs> they don't see the the 150 cap rooms that we play uh, in the rest of the country. They only see the giant theater that we got to yep. play. <laughs> exactly. But hey, I mean, um, I guess, <laughs> yeah, if you get someone to think that or whatever, I mean, I guess that can't be a bad thing, right? It's just like, oh man, these guys, these guys rock, and then... <laughs> Not to say you don't rock, but <laughs> that's a career in music in a nutshell. You just fake it till you make it. Want everyone to think you're way bigger Sick than you as are. Fuck, yeah. Which I mean, we see that all the time because people all the time are like, "Oh, do you guys have jobs outside of the home team?" I'm like, "Fuck yeah, we do. We don't. What, we. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> you think we're rolling in dough from this shit? We are so negative. Like, bro, <laughs> like, I can't. one one day." We just, we also it's fresh on our minds because Brian just overhauled the the monster of a financial spreadsheet I've been running for the past eight years, and literally uh, last night like yeah. la I stayed up till like four in the morning. I yeah I saw that story actually. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, actually, speaking of which, that story was all Daniel's idea, and it was very smart because we made a thousand dollars on hoodie sales since that because of that post. Hey, there you go. It was uh, <laughs> it was not intended to be a. Please give us money. We're broke. It was more of a. It was a lighthearted. Like this is what it's like. You know, showing what uh, yep. what what it's like being in a band prepping for a <coughs> for a big tour. We're like made more money than we've ever made on our last tour. And then to get ready for this one, we had to buy a new trailer. We bought a new in ear rig because we've never used in ear monitors. So we got we got that set up. We have to buy all the merch for this tour. So you know, that's like 
and we only put a down payment on the merch. I think our total order was like 15 grand. And I think, yeah, we paid like 7,000 of it. So our shirt printing guy is uh, also in the hole labor wise. For us, <laughs> he is uh, he is banking on us selling these shirts to uh, to make it back and pay him the rest of the bill. But he'll be with us on the tour because he's uh, this wildlife's merch guy. So <laughs> there you go. So he'll see us sell it. So he'll just he'll just show up like a like a mob boss and just take his cut for protection at the end of every night. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. No, that just reminds me, too, because like I said, I was listening to those mini cast episodes and I think uh, I'm forgetting which episode it was, but I think it was um, <laughs> when you, Dana, were just like you, you were getting crap for like ordering too much merch type thing. But then you sold out and then you had to like panic sell or panic, like call your merch guy to get more merch. So that's awesome. Like it, the response been great. You've been <laughs> you can't, I guess, have enough merch to supply everybody. I mean, obviously you want to supply everybody. That episode I'm referring to is called Real Rocker Minicast Episode Number 13, Slow Bloom Tour Part 1. However, you have to at least be in the Real Rocker tier in their Patreon in order to get access to them. The episodes are definitely entertaining to check out, and they're not even paying me to say that right now. So if you dig their style and want to support them, check out their Patreon by following the Linktree link in the show notes to see what kind of perks they have available. Anyway, back to the conversation. Yeah, there's... and. I mean, there's there's always a balance to it because you want in I in an ideal world you would buy exactly as much merch as there was demand and you would sell your last T-shirt to your last fan like the end of the last night of tour. That's not how it goes, obviously, in real life. Um, and there, there's something to having something be like limited. So and you see this all the time when bands put up something and say you know limited to only fifty or a hundred or whatever. And when you're doing it online, that totally makes sense. Because it kind of limits your risk on the amount of money you have to put into stuff. And it also makes things a little bit more exclusive. So people, if they miss out on this one, then there's a little bit more hype and they pay a little bit more attention to the next one. On tour, it's kind of the opposite problem because you like it's months and months and months of lead up and planning to get to when you go on tour and you play a show in front of people and you're going to be playing to your fans and the other band's fans. And there's all like the extra emotion and adrenaline going through everybody. People are making bad financial decisions by buying your merch. And <laughs> you want to like capitalize on that as best you can while they're in the moment. And I mean, I'm, you know, I'm being a little facetious, but like, you know, there, there are certainly people will buy things in person that they wouldn't buy online because online you have to enter in credit card information and think about it and, you know, like you have, you can step away from a minute. Whereas if you're at the merch table, you're like, uh, uh, I want that. And then you yeah. buy it and you know, you, <laughs> you swipe your card and move on. And we only get the opportunity to, to do this in each city a couple of times a year. So like, we want to make sure that we don't run out of anything because we want to get every single sale that we possibly can and then end up with a more merch at home. Yep. No, for sure. And no, it's it's so awesome and so interesting to hear it from from your perspective, from an actual logistics and I guess business perspective. Because like I go to a lot of shows, but these are the things obviously I'm not thinking about when I'm in the moment or going to the merch table and buying up merch and making those impulse purchases and stuff like that. So no, it's always interesting to hear it from from your perspective too about how much planning and how much goes into it. Because yeah, that's that's definitely not easy. <laughs> yeah, it's uh you know there's. Before we even got involved, there was months of booking from the other bands' agents, and the the bands are all like they're all planning their own stuff, and then we have to you know plan out the 
like hotels, which actually this is the first time I've ever done this. We're booking hotels most nights because it's going to be so fucking cold that if we don't, we'll die. Uh, well, speak for yourself. <laughs> yeah, Brian, Brian is... Uh, I'm what, a fucking cave spider, bro. Frozone over here. My room is like 55 degrees when I go to sleep. Yeah, bro, it's going to be like in the teens in a lot of places. Yeah, you're right. You will... I, you're right. I don't, I'm putting up a front right now. I don't think I can. I would be able to. I did sleep in the van in the, the coldest I've slept in the van before, and I did have a good night's sleep, I think was like 37 degrees. That's pretty fucking cold. It's pretty fucking cold. But <laughs> That's cold. I had a hoodie, sweats, like a sleeping bag, a blanket on top of the sleeping bag. My hood was on. <laughs> and I was chill. Like I, I, I slept well. Any colder, I think I would have got a bad night's sleep. <laughs> but any colder, you might have died. Maybe. <laughs> oh, and this was like in a stationary van that had not had the heat run. Like the van was as cold as it was outside. Uh, yeah. Like oftentimes when you go to sleep, there's a couple hours that you have of just residual heat that just lingers in the van mm-hmm. until it finally, you know, heat transfer, same temperature as it is outside. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I got in the van, I basically got in because we were going somewhere really early and I'm a night owl and I literally just didn't want to wake up. So <laughs> I just, I crawled into the coffin, which is the bottom bunk. It's what we call the bottom bunk in our uh, van. <laughs> and then I just went to sleep. And then the next morning I woke up in our destination at 11 PM. It was great. AM. AM. 11 AM. <laughs> 12 PM. 11 AM. It was great. <laughs> Honestly, that's something I should think about myself because I'm a night owl as well. And I think you might be onto something there of just basically sleeping in your car and then you don't have to like get up, get ready and everything. You're, you're ready to go and you just start <laughs> it's driving. A different, it's a little different for you sleeping in your car because you got to be the one to drive. And <laughs> yeah, Brian, I have a bed. Brian just magically appeared at the destination. Exactly. I woke up and we were in Portland. <laughs> for sure yeah obviously it makes it a lot easier when you got uh, other drivers and stuff in there but god that just reminds me i was just out on a uh, i was just doing a road trip and i um was driving through colorado and i don't know if it was just i was too cheap to get a hotel room or what but i was just like let's just you know sleep in the car and then it just made me think of that to where (laughs) it was like the coldest day Oh my god! It, it was I think in the negatives, and then like it, I would do that thing to where I'd I'd have the car running for a little bit and have the heat going, and then I'd shut it off, and then you know sleep a little bit, and then I, once I start to notice it's freezing again, then run the heat a little bit, and yeah, there, there's a science to it. Yeah, we've basically gotten to the point now. It's usually in the summer that this happens, so we're running the <laughs> AC because the, the other thing is like if it's you know uncomfortably hot outside, like. We're probably not going to die of heat stroke in the middle of the night, right? If there's no sun involved, but you might freeze to death. If <laughs> yeah, so like usually we'll run. What what we do is we try to drive at night. In the summer, it's easy because there's no snow to worry about. We have to be a little bit more cautious during the winter because there's you know could be snow and ice on the roads, which makes it more dangerous. But during the summer, or like you know when it's you know when it's like above freezing, we'll usually drive a couple hours after the show we play. And then, you know, at 5 or 6 a.m., whenever the the night drive crew gets tired, they just pull over at a truck stop. And if it's, like, super hot outside, we'll just leave the van running with the A.C. going. And then a couple hours later, usually me, will wake up for, like, the morning shift. And I'll just run into the, uh, into the truck stop and get some breakfast and brush my teeth and stuff and then start driving before everyone uh, everyone else wakes up. <laughs> no, for sure. That's the way to do it, honestly. Like, I... 
I did a RV trip during the pandemic and I, that was like in my head, this, the way to still be safe because I was doing it with like people I was quarantining with anyway. And we would just basically live in this RV, but then just drive it all around the country. And yeah, just like sleeping shifts and first person to get up just starts driving while the people are getting around. And yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's definitely the, the best way to do it for sure. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yeah. Now, going back to Slow Bloom, I know you recorded that back in the summer of 2020, and I think it's safe to say 2020 was a pretty interesting year. So <laughs> did anything change for you for Slow Bloom, sorry, Slow Bloom in regards to the writing process or coordinating with the other band members or getting to record everything during the pandemic? Uh, absolutely. I'm totally going to call you out right now because you know the answer to this question because you've listened to all the minicasts. But for the sake of the podcast, we got to talk about it. Yeah, of course. So we previously, during the Better Off era, like 2016 to 2018, I guess it would be like 2015. No, that was an EP. Yeah. 2016 to 2018, when we were writing Better Off and when we were putting it out, that process was very much so, I mean, there were five of us at the time. Two of them aren't in the band anymore. We would write a song and then bring it to the table, and then Dan and I would put our vocals and drums on it, which meant there were three different people. Actually, in this case, four different people, because I, I wrote Fashion Forward. Four different people that were all contributing songwriting ideas to the pool, and they weren't cohesive. Like They, weren't, they didn't work together on these. They were like, oh, this is a Ryan song. This is a John song. This is a Rob song. This is a Dan, or, um, Brian song. And those ended up being very much so their own sound like if you if, if i told you who wrote what songs i'm better off like it would make total sense mm -hmm. like ageless weighed in she's quiet all same person <laughs> almost everything else all the same person <laughs> and, <laughs> and so it was like it, it just wasn't as unified of an experience which is why the album in my opinion kind of sounds all over the place slobloom was way more integrated like we worked together on so much stuff like part of it was me and john we didn't get along for a long time in the band so we didn't really want to work together later we just i mean we became friends and and we started to realize like oh i actually do really like your writing style and you fill in the gap of mine like i i have a history i, I come from a prog rock band where i was writing everything as complicated as possible and really really interesting stuff but it wasn't always fun to listen to <laughs> not um, not a biased opinion really really interesting fuck you it was, it was. <laughs> John, on the other hand, wanted everything to be very simple, and which was great for me because he was giving me a lot of room to work with. At the time, I don't think I was ready for that much room. And so when we kind of came together and started working on stuff, like almost every song on Slowboom is, is pretty much a collaborative work. I think the only thing, the only songs that I can think of that weren't, uh, Another Night Alone With You was mostly me. Sales was, well, no, that was collaborative. Yeah, sales was collaborative. Honestly, I think another night alone with you is like the only thing I can think of, which is why John hates that song <laughs> because he wasn't a part of it. It was so much better. Like it was, it, and not to mention it yielded something so much more original in my opinion, something that people haven't really heard before. Uh, whereas Better Off, I, I like that album and I'm proud of it. I think people have heard that kind of music before, and other people have done it better. I don't really know a lot of bands that sound like Slow Bloom. And the way that we that we know that that's the case is that nobody is able to tell us exactly what it sounds like when people try and describe <laughs> it to us it's always different and people always struggle with it like we get people who say like oh you know this is like kind of gent r&b like not really it's not really genty there's you know heavy eight string guitar elements but like there's no 
like the drums are all four on the floor all over the place so it's like there's no super complicated rhythms happening and yeah it's uh we get like dance gavin dance a lot of the time which is hilarious because that's a band that is hard to pin down (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah and they're one of my favorites personally it's and one of the most eclectic bands out there. and that's i think that's probably why or one of the reasons we get that so much is that they've kind of crossed into the like they're they're past the scene like they have kind of a normie audience now too so a lot of people that's like kind of their entryway into like the underground alternative scene so it's like when you know, you talk to your parents and they say, oh, your, your music sounds like Fallout Boy. Fallout Boy, because that's the only thing they know. It's kind of, <laughs> I feel like we get we get that a lot. I mean, we'll get compared to Fallout Boy and Dance Given Dance. We'll get compared to Paramore and Issues. We'll get, you know, Bring Me the Horizon. And I hear these comparisons and they're from two totally different ranges of this spectrum, parts of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And so that's a good thing, I think. Yeah. Because people are having a hard time pinning it down. Yeah, and to your point, I mean, um, just listening to your mini cast episodes, I, I grew to appreciate Slow Bloom, you know, so much more after hearing all the work that went into it and all of the coordination and all of the layers. And I know you even mentioned that previously too, just all that went into each track and, you know, how much rework they got, how many, I, I guess, how much editing they did. And yeah, and then obviously the end result's something to be really proud of. I think it's, it's really awesome and very unique. Thank you, man. Yeah, and Slow Bloom compared to Better Off, like, it was really the first time we sat down to write an album. Better Off was all the songs pulled from the demos we had been writing for the last, like, eight years leading up to that. So, like, one of the songs, Waiting Game, that was in the first maybe ten songs that John ever wrote. Before I was even in the band. Yeah, that was... Mm-hmm. We had we had written that demo out before we had even started the home team officially same with something to hold on to you that song was actually written originally for your old band yeah for john and my old band a melodic hardcore band called open fire and funny story the singer of open fire who was the main writer actually turned it down and after we put that we put out better off he told john that that was his favorite song on the record and john was like i fucking tried to give it to you what do you mean (laughs) (laughs) and yeah slow boom is like we all sat down in a room, or, you know, figuratively in a room, yep. to yep. write a record from scratch. Obviously pulling from demos that we had slowly been been writing, but, like, it was one kind of cohesive writing experience from start to start to finish, as opposed to Better Off was just like, you got a song? Cool, I'll lay some drums over it. Oh, you got a song? You know, et cetera. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. And yeah, speaking of the comparison between the two, uh, like you mentioned, I mean, Better Off is much more, you know, traditional pop punk. And I I still love that album, personally. It's it's what got me listening to you guys. I still go back to it and everything. But but yeah, to your point, Slow Bloom is, is very, it's very different. It is hard to categorize. I mean, it has those clear pop and kind of R&B influences. So I guess from an influential standpoint, did anything change between writing Better Off and Slow Bloom from an influential standpoint? Were there particular artists or genres that inspired that sound? Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of the, and this kind of ties the two thing, the two questions together. Mm-hmm. Better Off was our best attempt at writing what we thought people who liked this type of music would like. Because we all, like we said earlier, we all came from metal backgrounds. And so we were actively trying to distance ourselves from the metal world. And cater to other people. And we just put out a product that, you know, we're proud of, but it doesn't really show us as artists and musicians 
Slow Bloom is, uh, is the perfect representation of all of our tastes. We didn't shy away from doing stuff that we thought was cool. We didn't try to write anything that we thought other people were going to like. We just said, we think this is sick, so we're going to do this. Like John said, I'm going to use eight string over everything. We're like, fucking hell yeah, dude, do it. (laughs) I decided I was going to do four on the floor drum beats with, you know, like simpler drum beats with more complicated fills. And that's everywhere. So the whole record is like that. And I love it. It's perfect. It's exactly what I wanted. I decided to start doing vocal runs. (laughs) Other than maybe that one from Jack of all, oh, my phone. (laughs) Other than maybe that one from Jack of All Trades, there was, like, none on Better Off. Anyways. Yeah, no, influentially, like, I... I stopped listening to rock music, basically. (laughs) In the last few years, like, I've gotten way more into pop and R&B than I have ever been. And not that I don't obviously still like rock music, and there's plenty of rock music out there that's still pushing the envelope... But I am a little tired of most bands just because like I feel like it is I I love fresh sounds. Like I'm not I'm I'm not an old head where I'm like you know music today is the same like it, it's not that's not what I'm trying to go for. <laughs> I love when bands have a very unique sound that is that is not replicated by anybody else and that is a hard thing to accomplish which means there's not a whole lot of bands out there for me. There are plenty of bands where I think are good. Mm-hmm. I just don't really want to listen to it because it sounds like five other bands. <laughs> and so, like, here's a perfect example. I think State Champs is one of the best pop punk bands on the planet. Oh, I love that. I do not listen to State Champs. <laughs> because <laughs> there are so many fucking bands that sound like that. They're all they're all slightly worse. And State Champs is definitely the best, like, of that style of music. Oh, yeah. But it's it's one of those things that I'm like... I I just heard it so much. The ones that have caught our attention, I'll just throw a couple names out there, and these are the rock bands that I still fuck with. Don Broco was a huge influence for us. There's a Japanese band called Polka Dot Stingray that we fucking love, all of us. <laughs> Sleep Token. I think Sleep Token is doing something that's really, really rad. Yeah, no, those are, I mean, those are the kinds of bands that we fuck with because we're like, you can't get this anywhere else. You got to go to this band to hear this sound. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, for sure. And yeah, I was actually listening to your interview on the Limelight podcast as well. And you were mentioning some of your influences. And I know you dropped a Lucky Day on there too. And Fuck I... yeah, bro! Dude, I am going to Lucky Day in March. I haven't been this excited for a show since like high school. I, Because I, I feel like every time, ever since I joined the home team, like shows now are like, I'm there as an agent of the, like I am the singer of the home team, even if I'm just going to a show, right? There's, I, mean, I still feel it's like a different experience. I don't feel like a fan. I feel like I'm going to this show just as a fan. Mm-hmm. For the, like mm-hmm. I haven't I haven't felt this way about a show in so long. I am so fucking excited to see him. And he's bringing <laughs> Joyce Rice with him, who is also one of my favorites. Dude, I can't wait. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. No, I I threw him on yesterday. Super good. I don't know why I I've never heard of him, but. Yeah, and I can I can hear the influences, you know, in, in his kind of style and, and stuff like that, and, and little bits and pieces of that. I feel like in, in your voice, even too, and what you're what you're trying to go for. So it's no, it's super cool. Sweet, <laughs> yeah, man. I that's and it's the future stuff of ours is only going to be more and more in that vein. Like I really want to keep pushing our sound like 
further than what we did on Slow Bloom. Mm-hmm. Because I, I truly think that when a band plateaus, it's because they just don't push anymore. Mm-hmm. They just keep doing what they're doing. Now, there are plenty of bands who have made a killer living off of their sound, and they don't want to stray from that because they're afraid that people are going to stop listening to it. I think, mm-hmm. once again, going to bring up State Champs. <laughs> I think they have written the same album five times. And it sells like crazy, and they should keep doing that. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. I think in our case, that is not the plan. I think we need to continue to evolve, continue to change our sound. And honestly, like, if there's anything I learned from Slow Bloom, it's that we know our vision better than anybody else. And if we trust ourselves, we can move forward in the right direction. For sure. No, and... and... Yeah, I love that point that you made. Like, I think it's important for bands to keep kind of evolving and pushing the envelope and doing something different. And a band that I just thought of when you mentioned that is like, I've been an Amorosa fan for years. And, you know, when they dropped Peach Club, it's definitely much more like pop than some of their previous ones. But, oh, man, I was so behind it. I thought it was so good. Yeah, (laughs) no, Peach Club, in my opinion, is one of the best albums they've ever made. Oh, yeah. So good. I mean, R.I.P. R- 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 oh, can't, can't. R- yeah, I'm not allowed to listen to it anymore. As, but <laughs> as uh, active members in the uh, alt rock community, that is not a band I publicly support anymore. And they lost <laughs> all the members, anyways. It's just mm-hmm. they have no one original anymore. Right, right, right. And no one from the last couple records. No, for sure. That no. said, man, I I did a cover of a of, Pe- of a Peach Club song on drums. Nice. I listened to the shit out of that record. Uh, I haven't listened to it in a couple of years, but. I listen to it a ton. Just uh, putting that on record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now that I think about it, that was one of the the last things I did, or the last shows I went to before COVID started, because they did, it was like the Peach Club, they, paid, they played Peach Club in full at this, um, oh, I'm forgetting the name of the venue now, but it was uh, right in December, and that was a super fun show. In case you're just dying to know, that show was at the Pike Room in Pontiac. It was a really sick show, honestly, with Amorosa playing Peach Club from front to back and Too Close to Touch and Vane's opening. But enough about me and my concert reminiscing. Let's get back to the conversation. And then, yeah, I didn't do much after that, and then COVID hit. I, I saw Tim and Eric live. I think that was literally the last thing that I did before the pandemic started. <laughs> Dude, did you see my story last week? No, I uh, I don't think I did. It's related to Tim and Eric. That's why I said so. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was in an interview. I was in a joint interview. With Tennessee Luke. <laughs> I swear to fucking God. I My buddy who <laughs> runs, he basically runs a band called Scythe Gang Triple Six. Mm-hmm. For reference, they are the, like, se- they're the second band in the Slow Blow music video. The okay. crazy extreme ones. He's the bassist that had, like, the blackout contacts in. Oh, yep. He does his own podcast show, and I did it last week with him. And he was like... <laughs> Yo, so I've been doing this thing where I get two guests together who would never, ever be in the same room, and I just want to see what happens. And I'm like, that's such a funny, cool idea. And (laughs) he said, I'm going to have you and Tennessee Luke on the same episode. And I'm like, holy fuck, that is so (laughs) weird and funny. (laughs) Anyways, that was a wild experience. (laughs) Dang, that's a solid idea for a podcast. Maybe I need to completely change the direction of mine. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> no that's awesome now i guess uh continuing to talk about i uh, just influential music and whatnot um i saw at the end of 2021 you posted on your instagram some of your favorite albums of the year and i was so glad to see glow on by turnstile on there because like, that album is so damn good <laughs> and 
I know we're barely into 2022, but have any new releases caught your attention, or are there any new releases this year that you're really looking forward to? Yeah, Polka Dot Stingray just put out some new singles, and I listened to it 30 times. <laughs> <laughs> right on. <laughs> Not really. Um, oh, Glacier Veins just put oh, out yeah. a new song today. Glacier Veins. Oh, yeah, I saw that, yeah. We toured with them. We, we took them out on our, our uh, Slow Bloom release tour. Vane yeah. put out a new a new song, and they have a new album coming out. I saw that, yeah. And I fuck very heavily with Vane. Vane's so good. <laughs> Let's see, who else? Oh, I just started listening to uh, the new Great American Ghost EP. Honestly, listen to way more heavy music. Now that we're in, I'm in like a, a soft band, listen to way more heavy music. Uh, mm-hmm. And actually, I feel like a fucking poser. Meshuggah put out their first oh, song since like, yeah. since like 2018. <laughs> and it is absolutely crushing. It's and sick. That is, that is going to be album of the year for me. For no sure. matter I, what. I'm calling that right now. The teaser <laughs> they posted on Instagram is fucking Disgusting. bonkers. <laughs> I don't feel the need to enjoy any other heavy music this year. Uh, <laughs> Meshuggah is going to be the number one. There's no reason to listen to anything else. Ooh, yeah. Good choice. Yeah, it's going to take me five years to digest it and understand it anyways <laughs> if I even get there. <laughs> I still can't chat really my good. way through Obzen, which came out in 2008. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, man. I uh, I still have a lot to catch up on myself. I remember, like, you know, the Weekend's new album, Dawn FM's, it had some solid stuff on that. I, I jammed to some of those. I, I'm not an expert on this one, but I just started jamming to, like, Beach House's third chapter of Once Twice Melody, and that's super solid. Right on. I think the last chapter comes out February 18th, but... um. Yeah, to your point, I mean, Vane's awesome. Drug Church, Pup. Dance Gavin Dance uh, is coming out with one, too. Super stoked for that. <laughs> yeah, so I historically am a massive Dance Gavin Dance fan, mm-hmm. but the last album I thought was Hot Garbo. Really? Like, a lot of people don't hmm. agree with me. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if I just got too old. I don't know what happened, but I literally, I, I feel like it was rushed as, like, crazy. Like, there is one song that I think is good, and the rest are, I just think are just like it, it actually kind of blows my mind that nobody like so few people agree with me mm-hmm. but the people who agree with me are musicians and <laughs> it's like all of their old, other shit like uh, first of all i found acceptance speech in college mm-hmm. i listened to that religiously i was i was such a fan for like that album instant grat uh mothership even fucking the red one the tree oh is that um happiness no the tillion oh it's the second to last tillion record the uh the red tree one. Oh, oh oh i know you t- uh, is it artificial selection there you go there it is yes, yeah thank you yep artificial selection i even that one i thought had some great songs on it it was my least favorite of the four but mm-hmm. that newest one i listened to multiple times because i was like i can't be hearing this right there must be something i'm missing and every <laughs> single time i listened to it i was like this fucking sucks <laughs> I, I think this is so bad. And this is probably the most honest I've been about that album because it's been a long time since it came out. When it first came out, I didn't want to like be shitting on everybody who liked it because that's right. like the last thing I think people should be doing is shitting on other people who for liking music. Mm-hmm. That said, I tried so hard. <laughs> I am such a Dance Gavin Dance fan. Tillian era is my favorite era. I tried so hard to get into it and I was just like, this is terrible. This is so boring and rushed. And I'm like, there's no way they are proud of this album. And they, and I listen to interviews. I'm like, this is the best album we've ever put out. I'm like, fucking no, it's not. Are you kidding me? (laughs) 
anyways, <laughs> I I was bummed when it came out. I yeah, it's fine. It, I I'm gonna listen to the next one right a lot. Like I'm the same thing. Like I want to like it so bad. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Yeah. I I think I've heard rumors that like they're the one they're working on is supposed to be like their longest album. Um, not sure how to take that. <laughs> Bro, their albums are all like sixteen songs long. What? They need to slow I... down. I think that's the problem. <laughs> they keep putting out music too fast. I agree. They I'm surprised at how quick they crank them out. I agree. <laughs> like I don't think Will Swan is the problem because Will Swan. I think that's just how his brain works. Like he constantly oh, has yeah. to be writing music and it's always good. Like that. That's just oh, how yeah. it is. I I think it's Tillian and John who can't keep up, which mm-hmm. completely understandable. Like d- d- fucking Will is a monster. Like it don't <laughs> don't try and keep up with him. Just tell him, "Hey, I need to take some time with these songs." I take fucking 6 extra months to make sure the album is good. <laughs> I don't know, man. No, for sure. Like I I'm I'll be honest, like when Afterburner came out, I I it didn't grab me initially. Um, I it took me a while to go back and revisit it, and sen- since then I've grown to appreciate it. But I can understand it from your perspective too, because yeah, when I first listened to it, I was like, nothing's really standing out to me. And I've been you know Dance Gavin Dance fan since since high school, since like Downtown Battle Mountain, and <laughs> yeah. So like, uh, but you know, yeah, it grew on me. But yeah, I think One in a Million is the good song. Yeah, that song I yeah. think is rad. I wish everything else sounded like that song. (laughs) (laughs) No, for sure. But anyway, getting back to what you guys do in the home team, what would you say has been the biggest accomplishment in everything that you've done as a band? Biggest accomplishment ever? I mean, I got to put Slow Bloom. Yeah, for sure. If you're looking for something a little more like measurable, (laughs) I mean, an easy measurement would probably be how much money we made on the tour in just 11 days. And it's like, again, we are used to playing... Empty ass rooms selling 80 bucks a merch a night. Mm-hmm. It was a very weird experience to be like, <laughs> first of all, we have to have a merch person now. Like, there's no way we can keep up ourselves. We've always just sold our own merch. We brought a merch person on the last tour, but it was our homie. And he was just sat and played video games on his Switch. Yeah, it was like, it was one of those <laughs> things that, like, we weren't bringing him, like, we were just giving him tips. We weren't paying him because he just wanted to come. And that's how it's always been. And it's been fine because we haven't really had a lot of business at the merch table and he mm-hmm. also drives so it was just kind of a no-brainer like yeah let's bring zesty he's a homie we now are for this next tour we are hiring a friend of ours named annie who she does merch like all the time and she's a fucking killer at it and we are paying her like it is her job to be with us and that is that's just part of it now we gotta mm-hmm. we gotta we have to staff the, the place. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, honestly, like, it was, th- this tour was a huge eye-opener for us because we, I mean, we try and stay humble. We know where we came from. We we grinded for fucking ever. And we're, we're still grinding. Like, it's not like, you know, we're still in the red. But <laughs> it's one of those things that, like, the money is a really easy way to measure success, mm-hmm. obviously. Like, there's, mm-hmm. there's obviously other elements that we care about and that, that, that's not why we're doing this like if we wanted to make money we wouldn't be in a band <laughs> we would have a job so yeah what do you, what do you think Daniel? Uh, i mean for me coming from like art wise the release of slow bloom mm-hmm. like that it feels like the album that we 
without sounding too cheesy, like the album we were you know born to make. Mm-hmm. Um, we were meant to write it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're totally right. But as the guy who like handles most of the finances and does a lot of the logistics, like the success of the last tour was huge for me because this has been a thing I've dumped all my money into for years and you know I'm still years away from it all being paid back to me but that's not the point the fact that like the band now is making enough money to where when we have to go buy stuff like we can actually use the band money to go buy stuff it's not you know we need a new trailer and the band can pay for that mm-hmm. and that that is I'm I'm exaggerating a little bit because I technically just paid for it myself but the band will be able to pay me back (laughs) on this tour on this tour (laughs) so it's it's just nice being like kind of starting to see the hype and the growth because i like every musician who's in a band trying to make it is delusional i'm delusional brian's delusional we've everyone uh a select few manage to have their delusions actually be reality which is rare, but we all think we've got what it takes and we all think we're going to make it. We wouldn't be doing it if we didn't. Mm-hmm. So it is nice to feel like the delusions are not all in my head. They're kind of, kind of They're things. Manifesting. Yeah. Things are, <laughs> things are, are looking, are looking up. There's still a lot of work to be done before it, you know, turns into a legitimate career, but I think we're well on our way. For sure. No, and I think Slow Bloom is definitely something to be really proud of. I think you guys, you know, created something truly special with that. So I can I can totally understand that one. And now I guess other than upcoming tours with This Wildlife and Broadside, followed by Point North, Low Lotus, and Concrete Castles, is there anything else currently in the works that you're excited about? No, come to our tours. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're staying busy. Like, we're going to keep releasing video content and... We're going to keep trying to keep our Patreon enticing and engaging for our patrons. And yeah, it's just a lot of, a lot of that, a lot of just keeping going. We, we are going to try and like push TikTok a little more. It's been tough because we're all a little older and we're like, we don't browse TikTok regularly. So we got to figure out like what makes sense. Like what's a good balance between doing something that's tailored to TikTok and something that's just a representation of our music. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so... We're going to try and put more into that. So keep an eye out for that, I guess. But <laughs> also give us any ideas if you have any. <laughs> I don't know what to fucking do. Yeah, I well, I feel like you're asking the wrong person. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm still not even on TikTok yet. But um, but I, I did become a patron on your Patreon, and that's been really enjoyable. I like all Appreciate the content it. you put out for that. So Thank you. <laughs> that's definitely been entertaining. So is there anything I forgot to ask about that you wanted to touch on before we get into plugins? No. No, I think, we're, I think that's it. Cool. Sounds good. So where can people find more information about the home team, upcoming shows, or anything else you want to plug? Uh, our Instagram is at the home team. We are verified, so look for the blue check. Uh, our <laughs> our Twitter is at the home team NW for Northwest. We are not verified, so don't look for the blue check. <laughs> um, nobody uses Facebook anymore, and we forget to post on that all the time. Uh, so don't don't search so for us there. Don't it's look bad. for that. That's a bad um, place to go. <laughs> on Spotify, we have a new record out called Slow Bloom. Give that a listen. It's also uh, on Apple Music and everywhere else you listen to music. Yeah, yeah let's be real. I'm I'm talking to the 92 percent of people out there right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
And yeah, check out check out our new record, Slow Bloom, and come see us on the road if you uh, if you dig what you hear. Right on. Yeah, I know you guys are going to be in Hamtramck on the fifteenth, so I'll have to make a point to come out and check you guys out there. Been been dying to see you guys in a live setting. Is that how it's pronounced? Hamtramck. <laughs> Hamtramck. Yeah. And Ham It's spelled very weird, I know. How's it spelled? Ham Tram C K. Say say Tramk. Yeah, it's Ham Tramk. It's a weird sound. Ham Tramk, got it. Ham sandwich, yeah. Ham sandwich, got it. Uh oh, last thing. We've played that venue one time and that was the scariest day we've ever had on tour. Yeah, I actually funny enough, we were just talking about that interview I did with uh, uh Tennessee Luke. I talked about this story on that interview. Basically, we played we played this venue. Uh, everything was great. Show was great. Fans were great. We're loading out. Everyone's having a good time. It's like one in the morning. Loading out three vans in front of this uh, in front of this venue, and all of a sudden we hear some firecrackers go off, and everyone's everyone freezes, and we're like, the we don't fuck? see any light. Yeah, it's like it's like one a.m. on a Wednesday or something. <laughs> so it's like it, unusual. Right. Then we right. see two guys like across the street sprinting out of an alley shooting at each other and <sighs> someone just yells it's a fucking gun run and we all scatter everybody scatters within a couple minutes there's police all across the block <laughs> we later realized that sound we heard was actually uh it's like su- a fucking mac 10 yeah like a mac 10 <laughs> emptying its clip it was oh. so loud and so fast like i had never i'd only ever heard it in you know movies in right. movies and in video games right. yeah and it was just like Super loud and way quicker than I expected, <laughs> and uh, that shit was scary as hell. <laughs> well, I hope you don't have that uh, same experience going back, and I hope uh, <laughs> you have a different fond memory of Hamtramck once you return there. <laughs> yeah, the show show was great. We had a great time. <laughs> it was uh, that was the end of the night, and we were like, "Oh fuck, we got to get the fuck out of here." <laughs> for sure oh man well yeah once again thank you both so much for taking the time for this uh like i was telling brian before i first discovered you guys back in 2018 when fashion forward started playing us a suggested song on spotify for me and i've been hooked on you guys ever since so uh oh hell yeah well dude thank you for uh for sticking around yeah no seriously yeah it fills my heart to see you guys getting the immense response of recognition you deserve and i wish you nothing but the best on your upcoming tours and everything else that you have planned Appreciate it, man. Thank you. And uh, hopefully we get the chance to meet in person in Ham Sandwich. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) No, this is so much fun. Well, yeah, you guys have a good rest of your night. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning in and checking out the show. Links to the home team socials, along with other resources, can be found in the show notes. If you like what you heard, please make sure to subscribe and leave a review for Juxtapose Journeys wherever you stream your podcasts. Any feedback is always welcome and appreciated, and it helps the show reach more listeners. It also keeps new episodes coming out. If you're an entrepreneur, creator, or live an interesting lifestyle, Send an email to juxtaposedjourneys at gmail.com with a brief description for a chance to be featured in an upcoming episode. Or you can find Juxtaposed Journeys on Podmatch and request an interview that way. The Juxtaposed Journeys logo was designed by Darius Norwood. The website was designed by Elise Benner. And music for the intro and outro has been provided by Young Pioneer. That sample that you heard during this episode was from the home team's song Right Through Me, which is the second track on Slow Bloom. And finally, interviews for this podcast are conducted by yours truly. 
Eric Spitz. Thank you for listening, and remember to never stop exploring.